0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, imagine something with me here today, and it's going to take your imagination, okay? I want you to imagine that a foreign country has successfully invaded our country. Okay. Uh, you know, who could do that? Russia, China, I don't know. That's not the point. But I want you to imagine what it would be like if that had happened, successfully invaded us. And they have consolidated power. They have, in, in D.C., they have, have, you know, taken people out of power, and they put themselves in place. And it just is very clear that they now are in control. And we're trying to figure out the landscape of this and how do we live our lives now and then they come to town into our town and they, they, they go to the schools and they get into the records at the schools and then they start choosing our children our teenage children and, and they they take them the, the brightest the the most well-rounded and they take them with the purpose of taking them back to their country and teaching them their language and all of their culture and all of their philosophy so that they might serve them in their country. Man, that would be tough, wouldn't it? And how would our young people do? How would someone from our church, one of our young people from our church, plucked out of here and, and put in that position do? And, and this is strange for us, I know, because the United, we haven't had an invading army in our country for over 200 years, I don't think. Um, but other parts of the world, this very kind of thing happens. The soldiers show up one day, and they take the young, young men out, of the, out and, and force them to serve them and fight with them. In our story today from the Bible, this is what has happened. Young people have been taken and put in a position to serve a foreign government and and false gods and and pagan practices and all this kind of stuff. And we want to see today lessons about faithfulness in the face of really difficult circumstances. Uh, Last week, we talked about what it means to have faith in the Savior and, and to have our sins forgiven and receive eternal life because of that, knowing some things that, that um, we have all sinned against the holy God and that the Son of God came down to earth, named Jesus, lives a perfect sinless life, dies on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, rising again from the dead, and then that if we will acknowledge that yes, we have sinned against the holy God and we need a Savior, we can then receive Christ as Savior by putting our trust in him, our faith in him. And so we talked about faith to save us. What we want to talk about more today is about how does that faith get lived out in our lives? What does it look like to be faithful? All right, so let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Daniel. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we encourage you to take one of the Bibles out from under the the chairs there in front of you. And if you're near someone who doesn't have a Bible and you're close to the Bible, grab it and give it to them. We're going to be on pages 1018 and 1019 today. Daniel chapter 1, page 1018. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, this would have been a terrifying situation because Nebuchadnezzar was basically, uh, I mean, he was very, probably very intelligent, uh, very powerful, but he was a madman. He was known to, um, one time they decided he, he wanted them to build a bridge, a floating bridge back in the day. This is, by the way, this is uh, 600, and uh, where we're looking at today, 605 years before the time of Christ. Okay, so what, 2,600, 2,700 years almost? Um, but he his engineers they were going to build a floating bridge across this I don't know how far it was several miles uh, of sea and in the process a storm came up and just obliterated the bridges that they were trying to build and he was so angry that he uh, commanded his men to take whips and go down and whip the sea okay So kind of a a crazy man, yet very, very powerful. So he comes and besieges Israel, Jerusalem and Israel. This is not a good news story for them. And and Israel had not been walking faithful to the Lord. They had been doing their own thing. And we see God is not going to protect them. Verse 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand with some of the articles of the house of God, so that the treasures in the temple also he took, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And so this is the the scenario I was setting up for you. So they have come back now looking for the nobility, the educated class, and they are gonna take these young men back to their country and, and teach them all of their own language and culture and have them serve. Verse five, and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. So the king is, is, is treating them in some sense like royalty by providing for them the same kind of food that he eats. The, what, what is served at his table is gonna be served to these people. And what do we know about these pagans and people? Uh, And by pagan, that sounds like some strange. What I mean is that there's not the God of the Bible, okay? Some other false gods from around the world. Uh, Most likely, this food is very high chance that this food had been offered to the false gods in worship to the false gods and then was brought to the king's table, okay? They also would have eaten uh, meat uh, and, and some of that meat probably what the Jewish people would consider unclean. In other words, probably pork and and other kinds of things that would have been unclean. So this food that they are bringing these young Jewish men to eat was food that the Old Testament law commanded that they not eat. That God had said, don't eat that kind of food. And for various reasons, some for health reasons, some for symbolic reasons. Uh, But very clear, they were commanded to, to not eat of those things. Verse six, now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Okay, so they're even giving them new names. Now it's interesting as we go through the book of Daniel, that Daniel is most often, not always, but most often called by his name Daniel. Uh, and, uh, but even so, he did have another name. And all of those names have to do with their false gods, some statement about their gods. And so they gave them these new, name, new names. Verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine which he drank. All right, so that's the scenario I just painted for you a moment ago. Here they are, these, these uh, young men who have been raised in the Jewish culture under the Jewish law, and, and for them to disobey this law would be a choice to disobey God. And Daniel purposes in his heart, I'm not gonna do that. Now, is Daniel in a position to make this decision? It doesn't seem like he's in a position to make this decision, is he? Somebody else is making these decisions for him. And so he is in this place. What is he going to do? So, he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, middle of verse eight, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So Daniel steps out and acts on his faith, doesn't he? He had this belief and he had this his heart was was toward God in this and so he actually takes a risk and says uh, you know is there something else we can do verse nine now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs and I'll mention more about this in a minute and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. If I don't feed you this food that the king has given me, and, and I, you, know, you guys are going to be unhealthy. You, and I'm going to be in trouble because it's my job to keep you healthy. All right? Verse 11. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please, Test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink, all right? So not the wine that's probably been offered to the false gods, not the the meat which may be uh, non-kosher, okay? Not according to the law. And and for 10 days. So it's a test, it's a trial. Let's try this. Verse 13. Verse 13. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So Daniel's saying, give this a try, and if it turns out that that we're not healthy and this isn't working, whatever you decide, we will do with you. Verse 14, so he, the, the steward here, he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. All right. So what I want to do is make some observations about faith as we go through uh, this story here today, faith and faithfulness, and and then at one point I want to really challenge you about something that we see in this story, okay? So the first thought about faith and faithfulness here is that the quality of your faith is revealed in real-life circumstances. That's when the quality of your faith is revealed. Uh, The quality of your faith... Coming to church every Sunday, important or not? It is important. It's important that you be here and that you be here regularly. And I know there's times when you can't. I understand that. But the idea is when you have the option, the choice, you make the choice to be here. Very, very important. And does that have anything to do with your faith? Yes, it does. Not a trick question, okay, which I'm known to ask. Not a trick question, and certainly it does. We believe God, we trust God. He says we should be gathering ourselves together and worshiping together and fellowshipping together and praying together. We should be doing those things. But what I'm wanting you to see here is that when we're talking about the the quality of your faith being revealed, where it's really gonna be be revealed is in real life kinds of circumstances. We're not talking about just a Sunday faith. We're not just talking about a faith that's easy to express because we're around people who what? Agree with us, right? And feel the same way about things that we do. We're talking about a faith that goes way beyond that. You know, when push comes to shove in your life, does your faith apply to the situation you're in right then? Well, I think we know the right answer, don't we? The right answer is what? Does it apply in those hard situations in life? Yes, it does. What's the real answer? See, that's, we each have to answer that, don't we? Do you know what I mean by the real answer, right? What are we really going to do in that real-life situation? We're not talking about religious talk. We're not talking about Sunday stuff. We're talking about a faith that makes a difference in this situation. That's what Daniel was in. Daniel had to make a choice. Was Daniel going to try to take care of Daniel himself? Or was Daniel going to trust God to take care of him? And the decision to say... I want to do what God says when it comes to to how I am eating. I don't want to defile myself. I don't want to become unclean spiritually because I'm eating stuff offered to pagan gods or because I'm eating things that God has told us not to eat. I don't want to do that and yet I don't get to choose what I eat. It's provided for me. What am I going to do? Daniel had a choice to make and was his faith going to apply in that very real life circumstances? And Daniel made the choice. I'm going to trust God. And how do we know that? Because he acted on it, didn't he? He, he took uh, some risks and stepped down in it. You know, high quality faith makes a consistent difference in our lives. If we just have a Sunday faith, if we just have a when it's easy faith, it doesn't make a lot of difference in our lives. We're pretty much just doing what we feel like. But when push comes to shove and we realize that this is the way the world wants me to go, this is the way other people want me to go, maybe the way the boss wants me to go, the way, whatever, and it would be easy to go that way, but God says something different. What am I going to do? That's the kind of faith we're talking about here. And I'm telling you that a quality faith, one that really understands who God is and what these things mean in our lives, we have to choose to trust God at those times or we really don't have the kind of faith that God tells us to have. Okay, very important. Uh, how we look at the world and how we live, this is all tied up in our faith. And so the question is, is your faith genuine? When you actually start thinking about your life, you know, are you just living your faith only in those places where it's easy, in the places where it gets hard, you just not you know, you kind of just, let's don't think about it, let's just don't talk about that one today, you know? James says this in chapter two of his letter. He says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith how? By my works. You see, this faith that we're talking about that's gonna get tested in real life circumstances, if it's really the kind of faith we're supposed to have, it will make a difference. You will make a different choice because of your faith. All right? Very important. Now, second thing I want you to see is this. That here, Daniel has determined to trust God. He's going to act out on his faith. He's going to be faithful in his living. And what do we see in verse 9? Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. When you truly trust the Lord, you can be confident that he is already at work behind the scenes in the circumstances of your life. Sometimes we feel like, choosing you know choosing to live out this faith this is a go it alone faith and it feels like it's go it alone when you look at the people around you sometimes doesn't it i'm the only one here it feels like but it's not a go it alone faith it's a go it with the lord faith and I can guarantee you based on everything we see in the word that there will never be a time when God will bring you into a situation where you need to trust him and step out in faith that God is not already at work in the circumstances around you. He is. Now, would that might make a difference in how you think about this? Here we come to this place. It's this terribly hard decision that I have to make like Daniel. This could have been a life and death decision for him. We don't know. And so he's faced with this decision and what's he going to do? And if he thinks that he's alone in this, how does he even make that decision? But if you can understand, no, yeah, I'm facing this decision and I feel like I'm all alone here. But you know what? God, if God has brought me to this place, he is at work. He's at work in the circumstances around me. And we can see that that's what was happening here. So if you ever have a situation with your boss, God is already at work. Choose to be faithful. Situation in your marriage, God is already at work. If you're seeking to trust him, he's at work. And go on down the list of whatever problems you might be facing. And so a faith decision is not a decision to go alone, but to go out with the Lord Uh, Psalm 23 says what? He leads me in the path of righteousness. Why? Say it. Let's read it together. For his name's sake. Ah. So whose reputation is most on the line? Yours or God's? When you and I, not being stupid, not being crazy, but when you and I, based on what God says in his word and what is very clear then in our circumstances... If we choose to trust God, his reputation is on the line. Okay? And um, I think we can trust him with that. You can choose to trust God. Over the years, many times, I've had decisions I had to make. My wife and I have had decisions we had to make. Decisions in our finances, decisions in our relationship, decisions in how we raise our children, decisions in, and we haven't always made those perfectly by a long shot, but we have tried from sincerity of heart to be faithful. And God has shown himself real and strong over the years. He will be faithful. In fact, uh, he's faithful even when we aren't. 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So if he's faithful even when we're not, how faithful will he be when we are faithful? Right? He's going to be faithful. He is going to do the things that he said in his word. He's going to keep his promises. And, And... when you and I choose to trust God and to, to exercise our faith and live the way that he says to live, especially when, you know, this even, like no way in the world this can ever work, God will move heaven and earth to be faithful to you in that circumstance. Doesn't mean you won't suffer. Doesn't mean there won't be difficulties. But he will be faithful to you in those things. All right, let's go back to our story here. Verse 14, let's read it again. So he, the steward, consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. So he put this this diet to the test. Verse 15, and at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Now, let's stop there. When we think fatter, we don't think good, do we? But throughout the uh, the Bible... Uh, It uses this terminology, the fat, and being fatter as being a positive thing. It's not talking about this kind of fat. (laughs) I'm sorry to tell you that. (laughs) He's talking about a healthiness, not not being drawn, right? Not having those signs of malnourishment. That's what he's talking about. Okay, so it worked, right? Verse, um, Verse 16, Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now, I'm not sure how happy the other guys were with Daniel. <laughs> now we got to eat our vegetables, right? Uh, but so the, the, the steward said, man, this is working so well for you. All of is gonna do it. Everybody's gonna eat this way. Verse 17, as for these four young men, God... Gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And as you read the rest of the book of the Daniel, you see, see that um, being shown. But I want you to see, God worked. God worked in these young men's lives because they chose to trust him. And so another thought when it comes to being faithful, that the Lord will use your faithfulness to accomplish his purposes. Your faithfulness, God will use. Um, he will, he, God uses your faithfulness to get you in the right place at the right time with the right skills and the right experience to do what he wants you to do. This is what he did with David, King David. when I mean, He was just a shepherd boy. He, he, you know, and David is obeying God and he's doing what he's supposed to do and God gets him to that battle with Goliath with the experience and skills he needs to face it. God did the same thing with the Apostle Paul, preparation of his life, when he's still called Saul, and God's at work in his life, and, and he becomes who we know as the Apostle Paul. But God did, worked all of that together, and Paul making these choices all along the way. And he will do the same things in our lives. See, God does have a plan for your life, and I don't mean that... Uh, It's not a throwaway statement. God has a plan for your life. (laughs) No, what I mean is God has designed you in some way to accomplish something for him. He has purposes and plans. And the way you grow to be able to do that is by making a faithful choice and then making another faithful choice and making another faithful choice. And so what happens if we don't make those choices? What happens if we make some other choice? The easy choice, the choice that doesn't put us on the line or isn't risky and we aren't making the choice to live by faith with the Lord. Well, who knows who you don't meet because today you don't do what God has given you to do. Don't our decisions today affect what happens tomorrow and the next and the next? So who knows what person we don't meet, someone we might meet who we might share the gospel with, who might come to know the Lord and who might win many to the Lord themselves. But because we aren't going to trust God today and be faithful, we never get there. We never meet that person or an opportunity that God has for us in our lives, a big opportunity that that he intends to use in great ways. But because we aren't trusting him here and we aren't trusting him here, when we get to this place, we do not have the skills we need to succeed. We do not have the experience that we need to succeed. We have not grown in our faith that we're gonna need to succeed. See, this matters. It matters today. If if we don't make the right choices today down the, the, the way, it just, we're not going to experience what God has for us. But you can see that Daniel did, didn't he? He chose to trust God. And because of that, it brought Daniel and his three friends to a place. As we read the rest of the book of Daniel, God does amazing things in their lives and through it. But it never would have happened had they not been faithful here. Okay? All right. Now, this brings me to the, the, the main point today. The one thing I really, really want you to get. And I'm sure it's not a new idea to you. But there in, in, in chapter 1, verse 8, it says, so Daniel purposed in his heart that he wasn't going to disobey God, really. I'm going to be faithful, even though I don't. there's no, humanly speaking, there's no way for this to work. But he settled it in his heart. And the word purpose there, the Hebrew word purpose, uh, it, it translates very simply, it literally means to put. To put. So this means Daniel just, he put it in his heart. This is what I am going to value. This is what is going to be important to me. This is how I am going to live my life. He settled it in his heart. And so my challenge to you today is this. Settle your priorities. The Lord always comes first. Settle your priorities. The Lord always comes first. That sounds simple to say, isn't it? But this is more than an academic exercise. What we mean is you're making a choice. Every time you have choices to make, do you have priorities? The answer is yes, you do. Do you know what they are? Maybe so, maybe not. And so when push comes to shove and decisions get made, we make them on the basis of whatever is our priority. Sometimes our priorities are shifting and so we make them on the basis of what we feel like today versus what we didn't feel like yesterday, whatever. But what I'm telling you is that based on what happened with Daniel here and based on what we see all through the word of God as believers, the followers of Christ, we need to settle this issue once and for all. And yes, when you settle this issue once and for all, it doesn't mean that you aren't going to mess up. You will. Doesn't mean that you aren't going to, you know, have, to, oh, I forgot, you know, or whatever. You're going to have to keep working on it. but You need to settle it, that this is what is going to go to my life and I'm going to keep working at it and keep adjusting in my life until it does. Settle your priorities. The Lord always comes first. Uh, this is more than an academic exercise. This is more than some sentimental religious response. If I say, hey, do we believe that the Lord comes first? And we all go, what? Yes, we believe. (laughs) All right, so settle your priorities then. The Lord comes first. This is an I'm not coming back kind of decision. I'm not coming back from this decision. Um, This is... I think a couple of weeks ago, maybe, I'm not sure, where we sang at the end, I don't think it was last week, but I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. No turning back. This is the kind of situation I'm talking to you about. This is where I am going in my life. Now, Jesus talked to some people. He was calling some people to follow him, and they were saying, okay, yeah, I'll follow you, but, but first... First, let me go and do this. And first, let me take care of this. And first, let me. And Jesus said, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. The call of Christ is an all-in call. And that's what it's about for us. We can't be saying, okay, yes, I will follow the Lord, but first. No, no, no. The Lord is always first. See, that's the, the, the priority that you have to settle. And, and let me say, to you, this is not just for a serious-minded few Christians. This is for every Christian. The, I don't know about you, because I think sometimes it's easy to think that these guys in the Bible, they were different than us, weren't they? I mean, does it feel like that? You know, we see someone in our lives who lives there. Wow, that's awesome. You know, I, I couldn't do that I, for me. But I'm telling you that the call of Christ on our lives is for every Christian. Not for just a few who happen to be real serious. It is a call for every one of us. Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, just talking to Christians, says, I beseech you therefore, well, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice to God. A living sacrifice When someone took an animal to the the temple to sacrifice, did the animal come back? He wasn't coming back. Now, thankfully, we don't have to get put to death. This is a living sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice we say, okay, my life is the Lord's, I'm not coming back from this. Okay, and it ends, it says, which is your reasonable service? This is not an unreasonable thing for a follower of Christ. This is a reasonable thing for a follower of Christ. Uh, Jesus in that chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, he says, but seek first. Seek what? First. first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he's talking about physical needs and he says that all these other things the Lord will add to you. See, because what did we say earlier? If you're choosing to step out in faith and trust God, you say, okay, I am going to seek the kingdom of God first in his righteousness. I'm seeking that first. The Lord is what? At work already behind the scenes to take care of all those other things that you're going to need. Uh, Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul talks about how he came to view his life. He says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus. I've settled it. The Lord is always first. Therefore, nothing else is more important. Not even my life is more important to me. You know, we don't have to live with that thought very often, do we, that this following Christ might cross my life? Physically? There are people all the way around the world, and in our life groups uh, recently, we've been doing a Bible study that includes testimonies for people all over the world. They don't know but what following Christ today won't require their life. It might. And that's where we need to be. Okay, that's how uh, intense this Yes, we really need to settle this issue settle your priorities the Lord always comes first so what might this look like in your life if, if, if you put the Lord first before everything else in your life what might it look like what might it look like when you consider how should I start my day what should I do in the first part of my day and for, I don't care if the first part of your day is in the morning or the after the evening before or whatever but you think, how do I start my day? If, if the Lord comes always comes first, how do I start my day? Do I open his word? Do I talk with him? Do I seek his wisdom and direction for things that I need to do today? Wouldn't that make sense? Because I've settled, he comes first. Uh, by the way, this is real life stuff because we don't always do this, but we need to keep working at it. Keep, you know, settle the priority and then keep working at it. How about your calendar stuff? When you fill out your calendar and think about what you're going to be doing in life, what, if the Lord always comes first, what goes on your calendar first? I tell you what happens, and I, and I see it and I experience it um, with you guys, and I understand the pull in my own life sometimes, and that's that I calendar all the things that I want to do important to me, and then along comes something ministry-related or church-related or something, and I go, ah, oh, I can't do that. My calendar's already filled up. Well, sometimes that can happen. I get that. But if we are making sure we calendar the things the Lord has for us to do first, because he comes first, ha- those conflicts will happen a whole lot less. Right? Are you with me on this? I mean, you guys are it's, you're tracking, right? Okay. In uh, your finances, how's that going to look if the Lord always comes first? What are you going to do? You know, you're going to give to him the way the Bible says and manage the rest of it the way he says and en- enjoy it the way he says that you ought to enjoy it. Uh, when it if he comes first, then what's it mean? We surrender to the Lord. We grow to be like the Lord. We tell others about the Lord. What's it going to look like if, if you settle it that the Lord always comes first in your life? This is going to change your life. Do you think Daniel's life was different after this? Did Daniel believe God before this? He Sure, that's how he got to this place. Do you think he believed God even more after this? Right. You see, it's going to change your life in in good and amazing ways. It's going to be what you were designed for. You're going to have an understanding about which the king examined them. He found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Now that seems like, yeah, okay, I want to tell you, Daniel is going to serve the seat of power in the world for the next 65 years. Kings are going to come and go, and Daniel will remain. What could God do with you? D.L. Moody, he uh, back, lived back in the 1800s, and uh, he, was, he became a believer, and he was very active in Chicago and su- supporting ministries and helping out uh, and very much involved. 1871, the great Chicago fire came. And after that, God did something in, in, in Moody's heart and, and just burdened him so much that he realized he needed to dedicate the rest of his life, 34 years old, dedicate the rest of his life to proclaiming the gospel to people who need to hear it because he, he saw so many lost in the Chicago fire. And at some point earlier on in his ministry in a conversation with somebody, he had heard something from somebody else and he repeated it with this person. He said this, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him And by God's help, I aim to be that man. Now, we don't know how fully he accomplished that. But I will tell you this, that by all estimates, in uh, the next, uh, he didn't live real long, next 28 years of his life, they estimate that 100 million people heard the gospel either in person or in his writings. God used them in amazing ways.